History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American Citizenship and its Decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash justnews to start. It's free and it's easy to get started and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu slash justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. We've got an incredible show today. I'm going to spend most of the time talking about yet another major blow to American economic security, to American national security, because it's a blow to American energy security. Yesterday, President Joe Biden announced that he was canceling leases that had lawfully been awarded and had been covered by lawful contracts that had been approved by Congress. He was canceling oil and gas exploration leases in one of the wildlife refuges in Alaska. These are extraordinary decisions. They violate contract law. They violate congressional intent. They violate the good word and faith of the American government when they gave these leases. It was done solely for Joe Biden to check another box for the far left wing of his party. But it will ultimately come almost certainly at the expense of major litigation much like West Virginia versus EPA, much like the student loans and other cases that have made it to the Supreme Court, where time and again, President Joe Biden has been told he violated the law by trying to act like Congress when he's not Congress. Today, we've got two extraordinary guests to referee that because the consequences of this is it takes 10 billion barrels of energy production out of the American plan, which was built into the plan for the next few years. So if you think gas prices are high now, just imagine what happens when the future plan, which accounted on these 10 billion barrels of gas, is now eradicated, gone. And also, if you're an energy company that put a lot of work in this, why would you trust the government on the next lease? They already broke their word. We have two amazing guests today to referee that. First up, Governor Mike Dunleavy from the great state of Alaska. He is hopping mad. By the way, he just endorsed Donald Trump, one of the first governors to do so. We're going to talk to him about that. And he's got Joe Biden coming there for 9-11. That's going to be awkward. Joe Biden's not going to celebrate the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th, 2001 terror attacks in New York or Washington or Pennsylvania, the three locations most directly impacted by that horrific tragedy. He's going to go all the way out to Alaska. Well, I bet he's going to get an earful from the people of Alaska, their livelihoods, 
their future energy security, their current plans for energy production thrown into disarray by Joe Biden. Of course, it'll probably get reversed in the courts. It doesn't seem like Joe Biden cares if he gets reversed in the courts. But Governor Dunleavy is going to give us the line of attack. What is the state of Alaska going to do? He'll tell us why he endorsed President Trump early, how he's going to deal with Joe Biden on the visit to Alaska on September 11th. All very big, important stories and questions that we will address in today's show. And then the second half of the show, we're going to go out to my good friend, Tim Stewart, the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. He's been running the effort, handsoffmystove.com. That's an important effort, right? A nationwide effort to fight back against government mandates designed to get rid of some of our most favorite appliances like the gas stove or the gas water heater or the ceiling fan or other things that are now coming under such enormous efficiency regulations. By the way, over a 100 efficiency regulations in the last year or so from Joe Biden, all of them are going to make products more expensive in some, and many of them are going to make products that we're used to less available, more scarce. And so we're going to get an update on Hands Off My Stove, which I think pretty quickly is going to become Hands Off My Home in the extraordinary future. But Tim Stewart, U.S. Oil and Gas Association president, we're going to react to the Alaska decision, to all of these attacks on American appliances and cars and products, and why our energy prices going up and why the product prices going up while they're connected. I'm going to he'll explain that to you better than I'll ever do. So that's our show today. But before we do, I want to break a story. You're going to get it first. We're going to break the story tonight. And Sean Hannity, we'll have it on the Justin News website. But you're going to get it hours early because you're one of our loyal listeners. Here is what we're going to report. Remember, just last week I reported that contrary to what Joe Biden had said for the last four years, Joe Biden was not carrying out the recommendations of career U.S. officials when he withheld the billion-dollar loan guarantee to Ukraine to force the firing of Prosecutor General Victor Shokin, the man investigating his son's company under Biden's Burisma Energy. We now found out that the State Department, the Treasury Department, the Justice Department, and others on the task force had recommended the president do the opposite. Give him the billion dollars because Victor Shokin had made enough progress on anti-corruption reforms to warrant the money. And it was very clear in the documents, very clear in the documents. Well, uh, the other part of Joe Biden's story is the Europeans want me to do this. Uh, you're all of Europe. And that, and that wasn't only Joe Biden's uh, statement. That was the testimony of many of the people who testified during the Ukraine impeachment against President Trump and against, and then in the Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley investigation of 2020 that advanced the allegations about what we knew about Joe Biden, Hunter Biden. As you know, I was in the middle of all that. My story started that whole scandal. The storyline was Europe was in lockstep with us. They wanted this as much as we did. They were crying. Let's get rid of Shokin. Well, Tonight, we're going to make public a document that comes from the European Commission, the primary governing arm or commission that advises the European Parliament, the EU Parliament. It is dated December 18th, 2015, about a week after Joe Biden started the process of trying to fire Shokin by saying, you're not getting a billion dollars, son of a bee, unless you fire Victor Shokin. This is what the European Commission concluded. It is extraordinary. This is a document that was evaluating Ukraine's progress on reforms. One of the main benchmarks they were mentioning and seeing if Ukraine deserved future aid, future support, is were they doing enough to prevent and fight corruption? It's an entire long thing. The progress noted in this, the fifth report on anti-corruption policies, particularly the legislative and institutional progress, has continued 
They go through all the things that were being done. Shokin had created the National Anti-Corruption Bureau, kind of like a new FBI for corruption. He had created an independent inspector general. There had been progress in setting up a national agency for the prevention of corruption. There was a whole long line of items that, that progress has been made on legislative and institutional aspects, and it can only bring significant end results if fully implemented. The Ukrainian leadership is committed to all of these things. It lists all of them. And then it concludes with this extraordinary statement. Based on these commitments, the anti-corruption benchmark is deemed to have been achieved. Now, listen to that. What they're saying is Victor Shokin, the prosecutor general, and all those others that were involved, they met the goals that Europe and the United States had set for fighting corruption. They met them. I'm going to read it again. Because it was opposite of what these witnesses and Joe Biden has been telling us. Quote, based on these commitments, the anti-corruption benchmark is deemed to have been achieved. Then there's a second one on money laundering and financing of terrorism. The money laundering benchmark is deemed to have been achieved. There was another benchmark that they were asking to fight. It's sort of related to corruption in some way, but it's also a little bit daughter. It's a public order in security, fighting organized crime. The preventing and fighting organized crime benchmark is deemed to have been achieved. Joe Biden didn't tell you the story, nor did many of the witnesses who testified at the trial of Donald Trump's impeachment and the impeachment proceeding before the trial and in the Ron Johnson thing. Tonight, we're going to contrast what they said, often under oath, with what this document shows. Europe actually was okay with where Victor Shokin, President Poroshenko, and others were in December of 2015, the very month. Joe Biden flip-flops and says, you're getting rid of the prosecutor. And why was he doing that? Well, we don't know the real reason, but we know he lied about it. But we do know his son was under pressure to deal with that prosecutor because he was causing trouble. The prosecutor was causing trouble for Burisma Holdings. It's pretty extraordinary, this document. We're going to make it public tonight. Miranda Devine's going to make it public tonight. It's a very important piece of investigative journalism. We hope you enjoy it. You're going to get to read the document. Hold it in your hands. That's what you're going to get to do. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hey, before we do, if you want to get, speaking on hands, if you want to get involved with hands off my stove and tell the United States government, I want to keep my gas stove, I want to keep my gas furnace, I want to keep my ceiling fan, I want to keep my gas water heater, my gas grill, get the heck out of my home and let me make my own decisions about what belongs in my home my home of liberty, my home of happiness. All you need to do is join handsoffmystove.com. It's the movement started by Tim Stewart, who will join us later in the show, for common everyday Americans to create a common cause and fight against the government's ability to dictate what type of appliance or what efficiency level of appliance is going to be in your home. A lot of people up in arms, they know this is going to make uh, by Joe Biden, as well as city and state governments are going to make appliances more expensive you to buy and maybe obsolete in some cases. Certainly the gas stove is in danger of obsolete. Guess what? You can do something. Buck a month. You join this army of like-minded Americans, patriots, and you work together to deal with the state regulators, the local city regulators, the federal regulators, Congress, President Biden and his many agency orders. Handsoffmystove.com. Go there today. It's going to be a winner for you. All right. When we come back, Governor Mike Dunleavy from the great state of Alaska in the House to talk about that incredible decision that came down yesterday, sealing off 10 billion barrels of oil and gas that had already been awarded, contractually awarded. Joe Biden stole them yesterday. He's going to react. I don't think it's going to be a pleasant reaction. Stay tuned. You'll enjoy that right after these messages. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As I said at the top of the show, a really devastating decision by President Biden yesterday to end previously approved and awarded oil and gas leases. That's what you have to understand. These were awarded. They've been ripped out of the hands of the state of Alaska and out of the energy industry. I thought we'd go right to someone who's been on the front lines fighting for energy security in America, the governor of the great state of Alaska, Governor Mike Dunleavy. Governor, good to have you back on the show, sir. Oh, great to be on, John. Thank you. Just your top line reaction. You counted on this. You properly competed for them. Congress made these legally available. And the Biden administration just comes in and said, sorry, we're taking them. Yeah, well, the chief executive of the United States um, knowingly and willingly uh, is breaking the law because this bill was passed by Congress in 2017 that required uh, acreage to be sold as part of the, uh, the, the tax act. And so they know it's illegal. They know they can't just willingly violate a congressional action, a law. Um, they're just hoping to send a chill down the spine of investors. They're, ho- they're hoping to scare folks off. But I think more importantly, they're really virtuous signaling to their uh, NGOs that uh, want a uh, want a make believe world in which um, I guess we power ourselves on love or I don't know what. But long story short, they know it's wrong. Uh, they'll there'll be there'll be action, a court action, uh, certainly from us and um, uh, some of the uh, shareholders, the uh, leaseholders themselves. But in the end. All this is doing is um, it's going to end up taxing Americans. I mean, we're already in a hyperinflated uh, period of time. You you produce less and less fossil fuels. I can guarantee you a couple things, John, real quick. Number one, 
uh, we'll get the fossil fuels from overseas. That means we lose wealth, we lose revenue, we lose jobs. Number two, um, for those that really care about the environment, you just assure that the environment overseas will be wrecked at the expense of uh, American jobs uh, and American um, uh, cheap energy. Uh, you will help prop up dictators in many places. You'll help with child labor in many places. You'll help uh, suppress uh, minorities in many places. I, I could, the list goes on and on and on. So this idea that if you don't do it in the Arctic or in Alaska or in America, somehow you have made it a, the world a better place, you just made it worse, actually, by uh, by those actions. And so um, we're gonna we're, there'll be there'll be court action, um, and probably the the biggest referendum on all of this madness will be uh, the election here in, in 2024. Yeah, no, absolutely. Our energy security is our national security and our economic security, and it's going to be on the ballot in 2024. There is a, a false narrative that I've, I've I watched a lot of the coverage, and I've covered energy energy for 25 years. I've always been fascinated by it. There is this narrative that, oh, my God, this was a massive footprint in a very protected, sensitive area. It's like a couple thousand acres, right, that was affected. This was a very small footprint for a whole lot of energy gained for America. Am I right about that? You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, it, the analogy is it's, it's a postage stamp on a football field. That's the footprint. That's the footprint. And keep in mind, John, in 1980, Congress, once again, in 1980, uh, uh, put forth at the uh, coastal plain, this is a, the north, northern section of this um, National Wildlife Refuge, that the coastal plain would be open for oil and gas. They, they, met, they made that mandate in 1980. And then in 2017, uh, ANWR was finally opened with uh, the passage of the bill that was signed into law by President Trump, and the leases were sold. So people have leases. And this, this has implications for all sorts of things. I mean, you, you end up, you can't trust uh, if you're a private investor, you can't trust the government because once you make an investment, they're going to renege on it. Um, the people can't trust their government because, once again, this poor single mom with three kids, uh, I think, what is oil today? It's north of 90, I think. Um, so, we, you know, Alaska benefits from oil prices, but quite honestly, we want more production. We don't want $90 oil. We want more production so that we can lower the cost of energy for America. I mean, I can't, uh, for the life of me, I, I, I think the Biden administration is going to ride the uh, extreme environmental movement uh, into, the, into the ditch because I think the, uh, I think the person that they rely upon the most, the single mom with three kids, is going to reject these policies. Yeah. And when they go to the gas station, and they, you know, it's an amazing thing. I was out in Milwaukee for the presidential debate, and I, I went to the north side of Milwaukee, which is a heavily African-American community, very vibrant, to a person. The only thing they want to talk about is why is my gas and my grocery store so expensive? And they understand that the grocery store is going up because the cost of shipping is going up. They really get the connection between energy. Voters do get the connection between energy and all the other rising prices. You bring down energy, everything else comes down. But this administration keeps trying to do the opposite. How big a moment is it for pro-energy candidates, whether you're Republican or Democrat, in 2024? This, this seems like a really remarkable year to make an gains in that ground. I think it's a huge moment. And you said something that, that I think is very important. You said for pro-energy uh, candidates. For example, um, we just won our election uh, for a second term. We are very much pro-fossil fuels, oil and gas. There, there's, there's no doubt about it. But we're also pro-renewables where it works. So in Alaska, we want to be an all-in in energy. We want to be an all-in on, on, on oil and gas, renewables, uh, nuclear, geothermal, tidal, whatever makes sense that can produce a unit of energy at the lowest cost is, is going to serve this country, serve our people uh, better than the social engineering plan. And that's what's happening here. 
This is not market forces at work. This is a social engineering approach by the federal government. They want to turn this country, and apparently the world, but this country first, into a country that um, is dependent on high cost and intermittent energy and because the technologies haven't been worked out to store a lot of the energy that is produced by the sun and wind. So I think if you're, pro, if you're a pro-energy candidate, um, yeah, yeah, this is your moment. And really, in the end, what it is, it, it's, it's a, it, you have to become a pro-common sense candidate. This stuff is going to unnecessarily burden the people in this country, especially the poorest of the poor. If you're a millionaire, if you're a millionaire donor to the Biden administration, you know, you don't worry about this stuff. Uh, but the single mom, once again, if we can't make energy cheaper for that single mom with three kids, uh, we, we've failed miserably at our job. Yeah, it really is. And common sense, that's the thing that's missing in Washington right now. There's a lot of common sense in Alaska. There's not a lot of common sense in Washington right now. I want to just finish up real quick because I know how busy you are, sir. Two very important things going on with two presidents, the current and the former president. First, you endorsed President Trump a few days ago, third governor to do so in the country. Just your thoughts on why you did that and what he means for Alaska. He was the best president, in my opinion, in Alaska's history. I met with President Trump nine times. And Every time we met, um, he would ask me, what can I do for Alaska? And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't political speak. You, he was sincere. What can I do for Alaska? So we would say, uh, help us out with, with um, uh, uh, our resources like Anwar. Help us out with the Tongass National Forest so we can get wood out of there. Help us out with uh, uh, some roads through some wildlife refuges so some, uh, some of our native folks can get access to airports. Every time he came and talked and every time I went to Washington, D.C. and spoke with him, he wanted to know how he could help, and he did help. He helped tremendously. The current president, just the opposite, polar opposite. There's 55 actions. I believe it's up to 55 actions now by the federal government against Alaska in our resource development. So President Trump, look, at, here's the deal. There are people that may not have liked President Trump's approach to things, his personality or what he has said. But there is, you talk to anybody and everybody, everybody agrees with the uh, economic, uh, economic miracle we had under President Trump. Everyone agrees with the fact that um, the country wasn't at war with itself. We weren't burning down cities uh, under President Trump. And so uh, I think, uh, don't be surprised, but um, I think you're looking at a second term for him. Yeah, I think a lot of the polling is starting to show that as well. Pretty remarkable. Last question. President Joe Biden's going to come to Alaska to celebrate 9-11. How will he be greeted in Alaska? Well, we're, we're, I mean, their, their office has reached out to us. We're trying to set up a time because, you know, as the president and as a state and a governor, I certainly want to meet with President Biden and have a discussion with him about some of the things we're talking about. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be uh, greeted like he is anywhere else where he goes in the country. Uh, there's going to be a lot of folks that are disappointed in these policies, and there'll be some, some that think it's going in the direction they want it to go in. But I'd say in the end, the majority of Alaskans don't support the policies of President Trump. And so I, I guess you just, you got to take it from there. Um, again, we'll meet with him if we can arrange a time, but um the, the overall, the people of Alaska are, and this is Democrats too in Alaska, they want cheap energy. They're pro-development. And a lot of our Native folks, John, we, we have the highest per capita of Native Americans in terms of population in the entire country. It's almost, uh, it's over 15%, close to 20%. It's amazing. Wow. Our, all of our people want cheap energy. All of our people want jobs. All of our people want wealth and revenue to stay here in America, to stay here in Alaska. And so, I don't think you're going to, there's not going to be crowds lining the streets clapping for, for uh, the president because of these decisions. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And there's one place that is getting cheap gas right now. Russia selling it to India and China. That's another uh, amazing thing that Joe Biden achieved. He, he's making it hard for Americans to get cheap gas, but he made it easy for the Russians to sell cheap gas. It's just an amazing contrast. Governor, what a great honor to have you on the show. I know you're fighting hard. We're going to be watching very closely the work that you do to try to repel this decision that occurred yesterday. Yeah. And the only thing I'd remind people, John, is elections matter and policies matter. And this is a, there's going to be a stark contrast here in 2024. So I wish, uh, I wish you well. And thanks for having me on. It's a great honor to have you on. I have a lot of family in Alaska and they love you. So thank you so much, sir. <laughs> All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Tim Stewart, the man behind the hands off my stove movement. And of course, the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. He'll weigh in on Alaska and so much more, including the regulatory efforts to kind of regulate common appliances out of our homes. He'll join us right after the commercial break. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge your signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. 
price. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at HomeTitleLock.com. Go there today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As you were reading just the news yesterday, you saw this news alert happen about about midday yesterday. More bad news for us who want to make sure that we have an energy secure future in America. The Biden administration literally ripped leases that had previously been awarded to one of the Alaska state agencies for oil and gas exploration in the wildlife refugees of Alaska, which, by the way, have about 11 to 13 billion barrels of energy sitting beneath them. Literally took them away yesterday. Just said, oh, sorry about that lease. You don't get them. Give them back. And they canceled them. Another major blow to the future security, energy and economic security of America and also national security. I thought it'd be a good day to bring back our good friend, Tim Stewart, the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association, to describe why that happened and the consequences to all of us who use gas and oil every day. Tim, welcome back to the show. John, it's great to be with you. Another interesting day in Washington, isn't it? It is. A bad day for America, I think. This has some long-term consequences, right? Because energy prospecting, really, it isn't done in six-month increments. You're working three, four, five years out. So decisions made today are going to impact Americans three, four years down the road. How big a deal is this from an energy security perspective and also the trust of the industry? The, you know, the industry was told you can have these leases. Now they're gone. Well, you know, that's a a really good question. Let me address the second one first, which is, you know, our industry, we've kind of come to the conclusion that dealing with this administration is a lot like dealing with a third world African country. You know, most point, although at this point, most third world dictatorships are offering a greater degree of certainty if you go into business with them than that they'll actually fulfill their contractual obligations than this administration does. You're exactly right. You know, the the lead in the intro was these, these leases were ripped away. These are lease sales that were mandated by Congress in 2017, and this arbitrary cancellation breaks a series of legal contracts between the federal government and the industry. Um, and the, the administration is going to get sued, and they're likely going to lose on this. But the bigger the bigger losers in all of this, frankly, is the American people. And we we can really dive into Alaska if you'd like. But uh, the Alaska the, the Alaska portfolio and 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 the the size of the, the the resource in Alaska is pretty substantial for us and and we need to be developing that so it's really it's frustrating um, and uh, we look forward to taking the administration on uh, full force with the full force with this one so if I could you know let's just to refresh everybody's memory you know of what this is North Slope of Alaska is we've known there's been oil out there for a long time in fact back in the 1920s uh, the Congress set aside 23 million acres in what was called the, the National Petroleum Reserve it was originally designed to make sure that the U.S. Navy had access to, to petroleum because at the time in the 20s, that was how you, you projected your power was through your Navy. So that was 23, 24 million acres that was set aside. And then immediate to the east of that uh, is what we have is the National, Alaska National Wildlife Reserve. Uh, and that's 19 million acres. And Prudhoe Bay, where all of the Alaska, the North Slope Alaska production, sits right in the middle of them. Congress set aside this area called the 10, the 1002 area. Uh, that has about 10 billion barrels of, of of reserve underneath it. That's what we know about. The whole of Anwar is about the size of, of South Carolina. And industry has has uh, been given uh, the opportunity to to develop a portion of that. We, we can get into about a million and a half acres, but our surface development is limited to 2,000 acres of federal land. 
in that entire 19 million acres of Anwar. That's like, so to give you a perspective, Dulles Airport uh, in, in Northern Virginia there has 13,000 acres. So our entire footprint in that entire 19 million acres of, of the refuge in that portion set aside is equivalent to like putting a postage stamp on the runway at Dulles Airport. That's the impact that we would have. And yet we would be able to have access to 10 billion barrels of oil there. It really is unfortunate. And, uh, you know, this has been a battle that's been going on for almost, you know, for 30 years or longer. Uh, this is just the latest uh, salvo in it. Yeah, no, it's really pretty remarkable. The long-term and short-term consequences. There's an interesting pattern, and you said it, and I think everyone I've talked to in the last 24 hours agrees, the administration is going to lose on this because it can't undo what Congress passed as a law, right? And, and yet time and again, this administration keeps enacting things, whether it's student loan cancellation, EPA regulations, for which there is no congressional authority. It's like Joe Biden didn't want to leave Congress, and now he's just brought Congress into the White House. The courts are so clear that Joe Biden keeps stepping over the line, and yet he keeps doing it. At what point does it become a consequence to the president and his administration that the courts have said, listen, we've told you 30 times, you can't do what Congress didn't let you do, that a court really puts a big hurt on it, actually creates a consequence on the president for the pattern? Because the pattern is becoming really prolific on many different issues, not just energy. Yeah, you're right. This And this is uh, the... The Biden administration, the Obama administration, they, they took this concerted effort to realize that, yes, we're going to take an action and we're going to get sued and we're going to lose. But for that action to to be implemented and for the lawsuits to be settled, it'll take years and years to do that. And they, this is this is their their ultimate uh, approach, particularly with the oil and gas industry. They say, look at us and say, yeah, sue us. We'll see in court in three years and we'll lose. But by the time you'll, you'll have locked up, you know, three to five or seven years of capital and you'll be able to you'll want to walk away from this project anyway. It's, it's specific to our industry and they're very, very good at it, unfortunately. Yeah, no, they are. It's a lawfare strategy. And quite frankly, even if they don't win, they feel good that they've delayed something. But the delays are actually the only losers are the American people. All of these things, we spend money, lose time, and we end up where we were going to start anyways, which is energy production is going to be allowed to continue. It's it's such a vicious cycle of callousness to everyday Americans who are just trying to find how am I going to afford the next time I go to the gas pump or go to the grocery store. On that front, I want to ask about another dynamic that has caught my attention. We've been doing some reporting on it. It really catches my attention. Russia has got this interesting geopolitical game going on. Allegedly, we have all these terrible sanctions on them, but India is getting all this cheap oil from Russia, as is China. None of this is benefiting the United States. It's almost as though the Biden administration was able to create a black market for bad actors through the sanctions. Why is Russia getting away with all of these international oil sales? Well, yeah, that's a great question. You know, they're selling oil. They're selling crude at roughly a 40 percent discount. And India in particular has recognized this. And so what they do is they, they import, they, they purchase that oil from Russia, they skirt the sanctions, and then they, they turn around and they either use it for domestic use or they do like the Chinese, which is they refine it, and then they turn around and sell it back to the Europeans at, at, at regular market prices. They, they argue that this is helping their global, you know, India will say, look, we're, we're helping the global economy and that we're freeing up Gulf oil, you know, for other countries to source, particularly your, your Europeans. And so they're, they're arguing, oh, this is everybody wins out of this situation. The fact of the matter is, is um, uh, they've been snapping up this uh, and I do the same thing if, if I were them. And it's, you know, when, when you buy something at a 40 percent price cut, that's a pretty good deal. Right. 
uh, it helps that the Russians are fine. It helps them continue to fund the war in Ukraine, and um, the Europeans think that they're winning. This is, I think, uh, it, it goes to show sort of the waning influence of, of the Biden administration on the global stage. You know, if this were the Trump administration, there's no way they would have stood for this. And um, and uh, frankly, Indians, the, the the Indian government would probably be in a different uh, negotiating situation with the United States than than they are with the Biden administration. It's having a huge impact. It's good for the Indians. It's it's good for the Russians. It's not good for the Europeans because they're they're purchasing Indian refined products at at regular market prices and. And uh, the U.S. is looking like we're weak on the global stage. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, no, it really is. And energy is the commodity that both ensures economic and national security for countries. So when we're losing on that front, we're losing ground not just on energy. We're losing ground in national security and economic security. Saudi Arabia, more cuts in production or sustaining the cuts in production. Why does Saudi Arabia want to put so much pressure on American prices right now? Uh, you're right. They extended those cuts all the way to the end of the year. And frankly, that's why, why you've seen oil. When, when they first announced those production cuts, about a million barrels a day, you know, they, they announced it for 90 days. And they announced just earlier this week that they're taking it through the end of the year. And it certainly had the impact that they wanted, which was they needed to raise the price of crude from in that 65 range where it was hovering. It was starting to go that way. And now we're back up above 90. Um, it helps them. Uh, and it puts the U.S. in a really tough circumstance. You know, we were a swing producer for a long time. We were, we were able to absorb sort of any price shocks that the that OPEC Plus would put on us. The U.S. producers are ramped. We're ramped up. We've got as much production as we can possibly bring online right now, and we're still falling short because of those Saudi production cuts on the global market. The other issue is, you know, we're exporting a lot. We're exporting a lot of crude from the U.S. because we're we're exporting that light crude, which is what the the foreign refineries need. We're on the other hand, our refineries are still calibrated to that heavy sour crude that we would get from the Saudi Arabia or from Venezuela. And so we're we're running a it's an interesting sort of deficit we're running at the time. We're exporting a lot of the crude that we can't refine. We still have to bring in import crude that we that we can refine. Um Saudis again they they uh, to their credit they saw a market opportunity and did it. And despite the administration, you know, if you recall a year ago this time, it was a tin cup tour with the administration sending the president and everybody else shaking the tin cup at the Saudis saying, give us more and more. And um, again, it's a, the sad and unfortunate circumstance that we are losing our, our, our global negotiating position to the Saudis and Topek plus. Yeah. And one of our most trusted allies after Israel in the region. And now it's really at loggerheads with us on so many of the issues that are out there. Last week's conversation really got me thinking a little bit that what has been a conversation about gas stoves is really a conversation about what we're going to be allowed to have in our home in the future. The government is dictating every aspect of our home. And after you made your comments last week, it really got me thinking, like, wow, he's right. This is actually really a war on American homes. I went to the White House site and I found something really remarkable that I didn't know. And you probably knew this because you're always on top of this stuff. But since 2022... The Biden White House has taken more than 120 actions to change the energy efficient standards for appliances that Americans use, in many cases, putting them in ranges that are going to make these appliances to be almost obsolete, meaning you, the, the manufacturers won't be able to meet the standards. So there just won't be such a thing. And I went to it's amazing. I mean, we talked about. Uh, ceiling fans last week. It's light bulbs, gas furnaces, air conditioners, clothes dryers, the gas stove, gas outdoor grills. It is extraordinary. Circulating pumps inside your heating units. 
there is this extraordinary sweeping effort to not only regulate and, and, you know, everyone's for energy efficiency if it's meaningful, but some of these are literally going to take these appliances out of existence. Certainly the those powered by gas, 120 actions in less than a year. This is really a war on the American home, isn't it? It is, you know, and after our conversation last week, you know, we've been running hands off my stove.com. I'm wondering if we if we ought not to change it at the handsoffmyhome.com because you know the stoves are just one piece of this. It's everything else that you just mentioned. Uh, it, this is just a massive intrusion into the daily life of how each American family lives, in an effort to squeeze efficiencies, uh, but also sort of squeeze manufacturers. It'll be interesting that the number of, of smaller, you know, it's one thing to go after a $1,000 gas range. There's nothing to go after a $100 ceiling fan. I mean, honestly, how much energy efficiency are you going to squeeze out of a ceiling fan? And this is the administration's uh, top-to-bottom approach of, of, frankly, we like to be in part of every aspect of your life, whether you want us there or not. Uh, it's we, And it's, so I'm wondering if you and I ought not to expand our our scope a bit more and i'm all in call me hands off my home because it really is a war in my home i was sitting down with my wife and like uh, we were talking over the weekend on the phone and like I, I had no idea until tim educated me just how sweeping this effort to really decide what you're going to put in your house for the rest of your life is and and it's as though there's an obsession to control every part of our life and you start talking to people and when i was in milwaukee for the debate you know, people are really worried they're not going to be able to afford their next clothes dryer. They're not going to be able to afford their next stove. They're not going to be able to afford their next car. And they're getting upset. I mean, everyday people that don't think about politics are starting to get really upset. You really opened my eyes on this last week. And, and I started to go, how many, how often are they doing this? It's 120 times in a year. It's crazy. The number of things that they're, they got their fingers in. A hands off my home sounds like a good thing. We'll have to create that. But in the meantime, people can join hands off my stove real easy. You go to handsoffmystove.com, right? Remind folks what they get when they join this incredible civic effort. Well, they're part of exactly right. They're part of a civic effort, and it's, it's part of the. It, it, we can't just sit back silently. And so, handsoffmystove.com is their opportunity to become just sort of educated on a week, on a weekly basis what's happening each week. And there's a lot happening each week. Uh, a little small donation, twelve dollars, uh, will get us through the next year. It's a volunteer effort. Um, and frankly, it's been really interesting because it's it's sort of sort of galvanized a number of different uh, interest groups in Washington, uh, help them understand that that there's there's consumer backup to uh, the the sort of the, the the industry and the trade associations who are trying to fight push back on this thing, and it's been a really interesting and quite gratifying to say, look, there's people who have no dog in the fight. They're not employed by a particular industry or anything like that, but they are mad about this intrusive uh, uh, nature that the Biden administration is pushing into their homes. And so bless everybody's hearts. We appreciate their support. We are always welcome to, you know, come, come join us. And, and uh, we're pushing back and we're encouraged, we're encouraged about where we're getting. So it's a long fight ahead of us though, you know? It is, isn't it? There's so much more that's still going to have to be litigated in one on a day, you know, inch by inch, Foot by foot battle in America. One of the things that has to be, I think, applauded, and I think a lot of people, because often the oil and gas industry gets demonized by the mainstream media who don't let facts get in the way of their stories. Despite all of the restrictions that Joe Biden has put on energy exploration, the U.S. Oil and Gas Association earlier, I think just a couple months ago, because the, the statistics lag a couple months, 
the highest U.S. oil and gas production ever back to the pre-pandemic levels and the records of 2020. You've done that in spite of all these restrictions and regulations. You're doing your part to make sure that you can, even the Saudis cut and the Russians cheat, you guys are making sure you can get as much fuel and energy into American homes as possible. How do you do that when the government's always trying to take more assets off of your exploration table? Well, I and I appreciate that. We we have been very we were actually very fortunate. This one of the the sort of interesting things that has come to fruition that came out of the COVID and the pandemic pandemic situation is the industry was going great guns right before the the pandemic hit. Uh, and when it hit, we had a number of like thousands and thousands of wells that were drilled, but called drilled but not completed. So drilled and uncompleted wells. And when the pandemic hit and the demand collapse took place, those wells were just never completed. Uh, and that is actually what has resulted from the, the – that's where most of the increased production comes from, is drills that we actually – or wells that we actually drilled you know, during the Trump administration that the Biden administration, we went in and completed and brought the production online. Um, so the Biden administration has no claim to increase oil and gas production. None of that happened under their watch. It actually happened in spite of them. Uh, our industry, look, you know, we we, we realize that uh, uh, American people, the world's going to need what we have. And we're innovative and we're we are flexible and we don't take no for an answer. And so when the administration says you can't drill here, we say, OK, we're going to go drill somewhere where we where we're welcome. And so that's why you see so much increase on private lands and state lands and even tribal lands versus federal lands. Uh, we're going to keep doing that. We're not going away. It's a fool's errand to bet against this industry. We're going to be around a lot longer than the Biden administration is going to be around. And we're going to producing a lot more than the Biden administration will ever let us do. So. You know, we're we're pushing back and we're we're plugging forward. So I think some people would call that mission impossible, but mission achieved. It's actually pretty remarkable. And it's one of the stories that don't get told, particularly in Washington media. They just ignore these dynamics, which is you guys are contributing to a solution to a crisis that wasn't your own creating. It's pretty remarkable. I want to finish with something that caught my ear at the briefing yesterday. Cringe on Pierre is the gift that keeps on giving if you like parody. And I, you know, I've got a lot of White House press secretaries, been friends with many of them outside the office. Cringe on Pierre has the worst record of having statements she make boomerang around her and the president. And she's supposed to be the people's press secretary, but she said something yesterday and I just want to get your reaction if this is even remotely true. Quote, we are going to be focused on what steps we can take to lower gas prices. Have you seen any steps they've taken to lower gas prices recently? You know, this is, she's sort of Baghdad Barbie, isn't she? Yeah. Remember Baghdad Boss? Yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> she she kind of says, just says what's out to be. So I think our response is, yeah, you show us that list of the actions you're taking to lower gas prices, and we'll show you our list of things that you have taken to to increase gasoline prices. If I could take it back to just May of this year, I can run you probably through 20, 25 different things that they have, the actions the administration has taken to actually increase the cost of energy. It's everything from, from new rules on methane emissions to the power plant rule to the uh, raising the drilling costs on federal lands to, you know, uh, tightening vehicle fuel efficiency standards to cost to benefit analysis to include ecosystem services right up to yesterday. The irony was when she said that about lowering gas prices, the department of her their own department of interior was in turn just uh, uh, counseling all those Alaska oil and gas leases. And they, there's a, a vast disconnect between what they say in those White House press briefings about energy and what the reality actually is. So 
I'm, I'm interested to see her list because I got a list of now close to 200 actions they've taken, which are going to increase energy costs for Americans. Uh, we should get that list out. In fact, if you send it my way, we'll get it to our readers and viewers because it, it is pretty remarkable. She was on a roll yesterday because she also said that gas was down a buck twenty from last year. But I just checked the EIA rate and the AAA, AAA. They're not down. They're up. Does she need a new calculator? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I paid 75 bucks to fill up my Explorer over the weekend. That makes me unhappy, too. You know, and again, just because you said it doesn't make it true. And they have this tendency to say things that just you know, they never let the truth stand in the way of their, their press statements. And that's how it is. Yeah, no, it really is remarkable. Well, one of the benefits we get by having you on regularly is we get real facts, real truth. People can make up their own mind, but at least they have real facts and not these misstatements that we spend half of our time correcting from the Biden White House these days. Tim, it is such a great honor, folks. If you really want to protect your home, go get involved right now with handsoffmystove.com. I joined a long time ago. My whole family's joined. We love it. You get these weekly updates. You learn about things. You get uh, subscribed to a, a special energy newsletter from Just the News. So we keep you up to date on the breaking news. And you get a chance to join like-minded Americans and say, listen, we're, we love the environment. We love America, but you're not going to tell me what I'm going to put in my home for the rest of my life. My home is my kingdom. And that's what Hands Off My Stove is all about. Go there today, handsoffmystove.com, a buck a month. You can't even get a soda machine soda anymore for a buck. So it's a bargain and you'll join a great civic army of like-minded people trying to stop this silly movement before it ruins the great American experience. Tim, we love having you on. God bless you, man. We'll get you back on next week. A lot more big energy issues on the horizon. Excellent. Thanks, John. It was great talking to you as always. You as well. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store. Factor makes it easy as they are flexible to your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. 
Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Welcome back, everybody. Congress is certainly facing crunch time with regards to passing that appropriations bill. 11 of the 12 one has already passed. Now, after there there are just about 12 legislative days left when they can come back next week. So right now it's sounding like Speaker Kevin McCarthy's preference is to pass a short term spending patch called a continuing resolution or a CR to maintain current spending levels and avert a shutdown. But Is this realistic considering it's not long lasting? Brandon Arnold serves as the executive vice president at the National Taxpayers Union and joins us to discuss this now. Brandon, uh, we've seen this time and time again. Any issue in Washington, there are about 30 different opinions. We had uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene on the show yesterday, and she said, you know, I'm not going to vote to fund the government if we don't proceed with an impeachment inquiry, because how else are we going to send a message and shut down this weaponized government? And I think that that's true. At the same time, it's true that if you shut down the government, it costs American taxpayers even more. What do you see happening? Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to get out the popcorn and sit back and enjoy what's going to be a wild few weeks here. Uh, You know, MTG has her demands. There's 535 members of Congress, and I think they are all approaching this with a similar manner. And that is we're going to put our foot down and insist on getting our way. Otherwise, we're not going to vote for this package of spending bills. Uh, You know, the problem here is that we need to fund the government. And when we do shut down the government, we've done it several times in recent memory. Conservatives almost always lose. We shut down the government for a few days or or sometimes a little bit longer. And then somebody gives in. There's a breaking point. And we end up spending more money as a result. All of those federal employees that were spending time on TikTok or checking their fantasy football league or what have you, (laughs) we give them all money and a little bit extra for their trouble and send them back to work and we lose. So we need to find a way to win here. And I think that starts with passing good conservative spending bills through the appropriations process in the House of Representatives. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think, well, just because uh, Kevin McCarthy agreed to the one percent floor reduction that you can't cut more than that. But actually, there's nothing preventing the House from cutting some things and making it a tighter things, kicking it to the Senate and coming up with the deal. Is that in the cards, you think? Maybe. I think they've cut a good bit. Listen, I mean, if if the three of us are writing these appropriations bills, we're going to write them much uh, leaner and more fiscally responsible. We're going to cut a lot of stuff. But the end of the day is if you don't get to 218 votes, whatever work you put into creating those bills is for naught because they're not going anywhere. You have to pass a bill that gets to 218. And the spending is obviously what people talk about the most. But what I like to look at in these appropriations bills are what's called riders. And these are policy provisions to block the Biden administration from implementing some of its uh, policies through the regulatory process, circumventing Congress. Congress can get to these, and that means reining in potentially the Department of Labor, the IRS, the FTC, some of these rogue agencies. They can get to them through the appropriations process, but again, only if they actually pass these bills. Yes, that's right. Um, and Brandon, it seems like Republicans and Democrats are certainly going in opposite directions when it comes to appropriations. But I have to think to myself, there have to be some issues where Democrats 
see them as ludicrous as they are. I mean, I remember what was this five or 10 years ago when we heard that the government was funding research to determine why lesbians on average were more overweight than straight women. And I have to think that there have to be some issues where Democrats would be willing to cut spending as well. Aren't there? There are. I mean, there are some very reasonable Democrats out there that want to see leaner, more efficient government. And I think we need to extend an olive branch and work with these individuals uh, because uh, heaven knows this problem was created in a bipartisan uh, basis uh, throughout the years. Republicans and Democrats have teamed up together to spend far too much money. And eventually it's going to need to be solved in a bipartisan uh, process because Guess what? Republicans have the House. They don't have the Senate. They don't have the White House. So we're going to need to get Democratic votes to get a solution here. And I think there's a lot out there. You know, I think there's a lot of Republicans that have uh, kind of abandoned the neocon philosophy when it comes to foreign policy that are looking for ways to save money in the defense budget. I think that's fantastic. We don't want to reduce our ability to launch those wars when we absolutely need to. But let's find some ways there. Let's find those weapon systems that maybe we don't need that are, you know, helping a defense contractor purchase a cabin in Tahoe rather than actually improving our national defense in any meaningful way. Let's find those. Let's reach out in a bipartisan manner and let's try to get this federal budget under control. Yeah, I think that's what that's a win for the American people. That's what American people ask, ask for when they put the Republicans in charge. Uh, there's a big elephant running through the room and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. But the cost of servicing our debt is going through the roof with interest rates. Uh, that's going to be uh, that someone's coming to pay the piper pretty quickly on that. How big a complication is that in cutting budget? Because that's an uncontrolled expense. As long as interest rates are up, that's going to go up. Uh, it's, it's adding a lot of pressure in the room, isn't it? Oh, tremendous pressure. And, you know, we're going to see a national deficit that is the annual amount of money that we're running in the red of $2 trillion pretty soon. Wow. So we're just keeping money uh, dollar after dollar on that national debt, on the credit card mm. and those interest payments. That's the fastest growing portion of the federal budget right now, interest payments on the debt. And as you know, John, as interest rates rise and they've risen considerably five percentage points in the last year and a half, it becomes more and more expensive to finance our national debt. So that becomes an absolutely enormous burden on federal taxpayers to the tune of, you know, out, uh, outgrowing our defense budget. And if we let it keep running, it's soon going to outgrow even things like Medicare, our biggest federal programs. It's going to exceed them if we don't get a handle on them. It's crazy. Trouble, mm. trouble ahead. Um, I, John and I, a few weeks ago, were at the Republican debate, and I think it was Nikki Haley who said what you said, which is our, our debt, our fiscal issues, there are equal parts blame on both sides of the aisle. Uh, do you think that that's going to be a more prominent message among Republican candidates going into the primary? Is it a winning message? I hope so, because, you know, I think what we've seen from Republican voters is they want honesty. They want people to tell them the truth. And I think we've seen far too much partisanship. Partisanship is kind of the enemy of the truth in many instances here, uh, because so many of these folks that are running for president have been senior members of the federal government. They've been members of Congress, president, vice president, you name it. And honestly, they all have a little bit of blood on their hands. Some of them have a lot of blood on their hands when it comes to our federal deficit. Uh, they've all contributed to higher spending. They've all contributed to irresponsible uh, tax increases in some instances. Uh, so we do need to get a handle on our federal deficit, on our federal budget. And we need people to be honest about it. This is a poll that we, we just did a poll in New Hampshire looking at some of the, uh, the issues that voters are most concerned about. And fiscal issues are right at the top of the list, getting our budget under control 
improving our tax climate. All of these things are really, really yeah. high on the list of voters. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. We are always grateful. This is a podcast that brings together just the news and its exclusive reporting. Be sure to be watching tonight when we break that story, the latest segment in the Hunter Biden scandal and another falsehood of Joe Biden approved by documents. That's what we're going to give you, document evidence. You'll make up your own mind. You didn't get an honest story in 2019. You didn't get one in 2020. You haven't gotten one in 21 or 22. 23, just the news. And John Solomon reports, just the news, no noise. We're bringing you the truth, and we're proud to do it. Go check out that story tonight. And, of course, go to handsoffmystove.com and sign up today if you want to join Tim Stewart and the rest of like-minded Americans who are saying, hands off my stove, head out of my kitchen, get out of my home. I'll decide what appliances go in. Go there today and sign up. All right, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. I'm so grateful you're listening. Go check out Just the News, download the apps, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll keep you covered 24-7 on all the headlines that you need to know. Have a good night, folks. God bless you. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.